Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Romans chapter 1, we will begin in verse 18 today. As we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and uh, come thou long expected Jesus, uh, we, we think about the messianic hope of the Old Testament that was longing for the coming of the Messiah that would finally come. And he did come. Jesus came. He was born in a uh, stable placed in a manger. And He went to the cross eventually and He died for our sins. But it isn't just about the Old Testament hope that we sing. We have a New Testament hope. He's coming again. He's coming again and one day when He comes again there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any sickness. There will no longer be any sin. One day when He returns, everything will be set right. But in the meantime, we long and we say with the ancient church, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Today we'll be looking at a passage about the wrath of God, which I know is everyone's favorite topic. Uh, Last week we looked at the passage that says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation for the Jew first and then to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written The righteous shall live by faith. We saw that in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And uh, what we talked about last week is that this righteousness of God that's revealed in the gospel is the fact that it is saving righteousness. It is the righteousness that God gives to us on behalf of what He did on the cross. When we have faith in Him, He gives us His righteousness because He took our sin at the cross. But Paul changes his tone here in the next verse because he has to give us the reason why we needed to be saved in the first place. Why did we need the gospel? Why did we need to be saved? That's what we're looking at today. And what we will be looking at for quite some time. The whole section from this verse all the way through three, chapter 3, verse 20 is all about sin. And maybe we kind of get discouraged when we think about So many weeks, I don't know how many weeks we're going to spend looking at sin. But we don't appreciate the gospel as much unless we understand what we've been saved from. And so I think it's worth our time to see what the Bible says about sin. I'll go ahead and read our passage beginning in verse 18. I'll read through 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, 
who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give Him thanks. But they became futile in their thinking, and their futile hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the Gospel. That by it, we are saved from Your wrath. Lord, help us as we look into Your Word to understand Your wrath. To understand what we have been saved from. That we can grow even more thankful for the work that you have done for us. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to obey. Lord, give me strength and grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul starts this section with, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. We saw that the wrath of God, not the wrath, the righteousness of God was revealed in the gospel. This righteousness, this saving righteousness that he gives to us. But it also now, there's something else being revealed. It uses exactly the same verb here. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of man. Wrath is not something we want to think about. Wrath is God's anger towards sin. And it tells us that it's revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness, ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. We, I think one of the points of this passage, when it says that... Um, God's wrath is revealed from heaven is the fact that uh, we can see God's wrath demonstrated in nature. As we look around the world, we don't need the Bible. I mean, yes, we do need the Bible, but we don't need it to be able to tell that God is angry with us. To, to know that God uh, is, is wrathful. Says the, the wrath of God is revealed. Well, how is it revealed? Uh, I, I get a little bit of help from this. I, uh, I did listen to someone else, uh, and, and I, I found it very helpful. He, um, John Piper divides this into three different ways that God's wrath is revealed against ungodliness and unrighteousness. First of all, it's revealed in death. We've all experienced it, not actually dying, but we've experienced the death of a loved one. And if we haven't, we will. 
We see every week in the newspapers, the obituary column, death. We're surrounded by it. We watch the news and we see what's happened in Gaza and in Israel and in Ukraine. Death. 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 Romans chapter 3, verse 23 tells us the wages of sin is death. And this wrath of God that is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness of men is revealed in death. We will all experience this unless Jesus comes first. We experience it as we witness the deaths of our loved ones. And it is an unmistakable sign of God's wrath against sin. God promised Adam and Eve, or He warned them, that in the day that they would eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would die. God was gracious. He did not immediately strike them dead. But the moment they ate of the fruit, they pronounced a death sentence upon themselves and all of their descendants, including us. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven in death. And it's revealed in sickness, disease. We have those who we pray for each week that are dealing with cancer treatments. That is uh, not that God is individually angry with each one of them, but the consequence of sin being entered into the world is the fact that people have things like cancer. People have things like hepatitis. People have things like, like AIDS and uh, all kinds of diseases. All of those diseases are a part of the fall that was, was brought into the world through Adam's sin. Things that we live with. Not only the serious diseases like uh, cancer and, and AIDS and things like that, but you know what? I've been dealing with a cold this week. Even when we have a cold, things just aren't the way we ought, they ought to be and we, we cough. That's part of the effects of the fall, part of the wrath of God that is displayed, that is revealed from heaven against all manner of sin. And the final way that I, I think, uh, and I got this, again, I got this from uh, someone else. The other way that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven is the moral degradation of humanity. We look around and we see so much of our world and we have abandoned God. We degrade ourselves as the human race. We look at human life as if it's a small thing. Abortion. The value of human life. Human, uh, human life 
that's, that's treated as a commodity or as something small that we can just snuff out. Or euthanasia. The idea of, of putting someone out of their misery. Human life is human life. And it is valuable because we are created in the image of God. And no one should snuff out a life before God decides to take it. Or human trafficking. Treating women, girls, and even boys as commodities to be traded. Pornography. All of those things, they are part of the moral degradation of humanity. And it is a sign of not just the ju- judgment is coming, but it is the sign that judgment is here. The wrath of God, by because we degrade ourselves by our own sins. This is part of the wrath of God that is revealed from heaven. Who <coughs> back up here for the wrath of God is revealed against uh, revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men that last word men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth men and who uh, that that goes together who is a Pronoun pointing back to the men that was in the last uh, part of the sentence. So, who men, what do men do? Men suppress the truth in unrighteousness. By our unrighteousness, we suppress the truth. We know what the truth is. We know that there's a God. We know that we'll one day stand before Him in judgment. And yet, we push that down, push that down, push that down so we don't have to think about it and we can just do what we want. If we don't have to think about the wrath of God, if we don't have to think about the the justice and holiness of God, we just suppress the truth, then we can just live however we want. By our unrighteousness, we suppress the truth. Thinking of suppression. Um, Opioids. What do opioids do? They make it so you don't feel the pain anymore, right? They make it so you don't feel pain. And they can be a good thing when they're used properly. But sometimes, humanity, sometimes we have have used those things to suppress our pain in ways that are destructive to ourselves. We suppress something. And in the same way, we suppress it. We don't want to hear about the righteousness and holiness of God. We don't want to hear about the holiness and the, uh, and the, uh, uh, the justice of God. So we, we put in a nerve blocker. We, we get a, we get a epidural. Like you might have as, 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 when, you're, when you're giving birth. So we don't have to think about it. 
That's what we do to the knowledge of God as human beings. And we can say, well, yeah, that's what the unbelieving world does. They suppress the truth. Those who claim they're atheists, yeah, they really know there's a God, but really they're just suppressing the truth. But we do it too. How in the world, if we actually believe in a God who is holy, can we then go out and disobey Him unless at the moment that we're sinning, we suppress the truth? We are all guilty of that. Believer and unbeliever alike. We suppress the truth that we know. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. I've alluded to this already, but uh, God doesn't believe in atheists. What can be known about God is plain to them Creation testifies to the reality of God. All you have to do is look into the air. Look into the sky. You see the stars. You see creation. And it testifies to the glory of God. What can be known about Him is plain to every human being that has ever been born on this planet. All we have to do is open our eyes and we see God testifying to Himself through general revelation. Because God has shown it to them. them. God speaks in two ways. One is by the Word of God, which is special revelation. And the other is through nature. General revelation. He had, and he, they're very different from each other. General revelation, the way God speaks to us, as, as the Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The way that, that general revelation speaks to us, it's enough to let us know that God is, God, that there is a God, that He's holy, and that we will one day stand before Him in judgment. But we suppress that, we suppress even that. What special revelation gives us that general revelation doesn't give us is how to be saved. Mm -hmm. Verse 20, it tells us what we we can know about God from general revelation, from creation. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. We can know this. We do know. I'm not not saying we can know. We do know. Every human being knows that God is eternally powerful. And we know His divine nature. We know He is God ever since the creation of the world. It's clear. And if we say it's not clear... You know, you you may have seen someone say, well, if there's a God, then why didn't He prove Himself? Why didn't He show Himself? What do you mean, why doesn't He show Himself? The heavens declare the glory of God. He has shown Himself. And you've seen it. But what do you do? Exactly what that first verse says. We suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We suppress it. And 
It says here, we have been, they've been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. The things that have been made, the stars, the sun, the moon, uh, the, 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 the air that we breathe. God provides for us air to breathe that we breathe in and we breathe out and we think nothing of it and we don't give Him thanks for it. Mm-hmm. And the food that we eat, all of those things in the way He provides for us. But it says, all of these things have been clearly perceived since the creation of the world, so they are without excuse. We cannot be excused by the fact, we we can't just say, well, I just didn't know. I, I just didn't know. No one's going to be able to stand before God any day, even if they were on the midst of, a, of an island in the middle of some deserted place and they've never heard about anything. No, they will not be able to excuse themselves because when they stand before God, God can say, you knew that there was a God. And you knew there was a right and a wrong. And you chose wrong. We are out without excuse. We are without excuse. Because we've all done it. We have all chosen wrong, knowing that there is a God. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give Him thanks. We all know there is a God. But in our sinfulness, before we come to know Jesus, and even in our sinfulness after we come to know Jesus, we don't properly always worship Him as we ought. Every time we sin, we don't give Him the glory and the honor that's due Him. We don't thank Him like we ought to. Sometimes He can be the furthest thing from our minds. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. There seems to be a progression downhill There's this falling of each one of us. We know God. We're born knowing that there's a God. And yet we suppress the truth. We sin. We do things to get our own way. To to go after our own desires. And our hearts are darkened. We become futile in our thinking. We think about empty things. Things that don't matter. Things that don't matter, like the infinite glory of God, it does matter. Claiming to be wise, they become fools. And so often we can find ourselves in intellectual pursuits. Oh, did you know this? Did you know that? Did you know? Oh. 
These intellectual pursuits might lead us away from the Creator who made us, that that deserves all of our glory and our, our, our worship and our praise. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Step down, step down, step down. We are born knowing there's a God. Yet we suppress that truth. We become futile in our thinking. Our hearts are darkened. And then we start worshiping the creature rather than the creator. God made us, deserves our worship. And we, as Jeremiah said, we have abandoned the fountain of living water and we have hewn out systems, cisterns that hold no water. Just imagine a broken cistern that holds no water. And at the bottom of it, maybe there's been water running through it and at the bottom of it all there is is mud. We've got the fountain of living water that's available to us. And we'd rather go to this broken cistern and just kind of fill our mouths with mud. The human beings, this digression, this moral degradation of humanity leads itself to idolatry where we exchange (coughs) the glory of the immortal God, the one who created us, for images of mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Again, I'm uh, a little dependent on someone else. Um, I didn't notice this as I read the Greek text myself, but someone else pointed it out that whenever it says exchange the image of the immortal God for, the, for images resembling mortal man, the way that's literally is images, some, I can't remember exactly the phrase, but it was images of uh, uh, a resemblance of mortal man. Basically, a copy of a copy of a copy. You know, we are created in the image of God. But we're not worthy of worship. God is worthy of worship. So we're created in the image of God, but a copy of that and a copy of that. You take uh, a nice picture and you photocopy that and then you take a photocopy of the copy and then you take another photocopy of that. And our copiers are pretty good today. Just think about, you know, doing it with one of those old mimeograph machines. Did I use the right word? It would be almost un- unrecognizable, wouldn't it? And we replace the God of the universe for that. Something that's worthless. Images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Well, we've been focusing on the on the degradation of man, this righteousness of God that has been, that been uh, I'm sorry, this wrath of God that's been revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, 
Because of our sin, God's wrath is poured out on us in death, in sickness, and in our moral degradation. Now where's the good news? Where's the good news at? I've been so much of a downer today. God has saved us from all of that. Yes, we still experience it in the body as we live here on this earth. Yes, we still experience death. And I've got a cold right now. That's why I'm coughing. And, uh, and, and, and we are morally degraded. We, we can think about those on the outside, but the point of the Bible is not to make us think about those on the outside. It's to make us think about ourselves and how we, too, are morally degraded. If you're thinking about somebody on the outside, you're thinking about it wrong. Think about us and how this has affected even us. I know I can find ways that it's affected me. And I know in every heart, we've done the same thing. And the answer is Jesus. The answer is what we started with. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the, just, uh, the righteous shall live by faith. What is the answer to our problem? The problem of our sin? The problem of God's wrath that we deserve? The answer is the Gospel. That God sent His Son into the world who died on the cross, took our sins upon Himself, and if we have faith in Him, we trust in Him, that He's going to make all things right. We may die in this world, but one of these days, He's coming again and He'll raise us up, He'll cleanse us, and He will present us perfect and blameless before the Father one day. And I hope that as we look at sin and all of its destruction, it makes us more appreciative, more worshipful about the glory of God and what He has done to save us. That it makes us see the beauty all the more of what God did in Jesus in saving us. He took those of us who deserve death, who experience sickness and suffering, who experience moral degradation, and He adopted us as our own, as His own, cleans us off, and will one day present us before the Father. That is the gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed from heaven in His wrath, but the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel that He saves sinners. listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.